Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. Evangeline, A Tale of Acadie by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Book 2, Part 1 Many a weary year had passed since the burning of Grand Pré, when on the falling tide the freighted vessels departed, bearing a nation with all its household gods into exile, exile without an end, and without an example in story. Far asunder, on separate coasts, the Acadians landed. Scattered were they, like flakes of snow when the wind from the northeast strikes a slant through the fogs that darken the banks of Newfoundland. Friendless, homeless, hopeless, they wandered from city to city, from the cold lakes of the north to sultry southern savannas, from the bleak shores of the sea to the lands where the Father of Waters seizes the hills in his hands and drags them down to the ocean, deep in their sands to bury the scattered bones of the mammoth. Friends they sought and homes, and many, despairing, heartbroken, asked of the earth but a grave, and no longer a friend nor a fireside. Written their history stands on tablets of stone in the churchyards. Long among them was seen a maiden who waited and wandered, lowly and meek in spirit, and patiently suffering all things. Fair was she, and young, but alas, before her extended, dreary and vast and silent, the desert of life, with its pathway marked by the graves of those who had sorrowed and suffered before her, passions long extinguished, and hopes long dead and abandoned, as the emigrant's way or the western desert is marked by campfires long consumed and bones that bleach in the sunshine. Something there was in her life incomplete, imperfect, unfinished, as if a morning of June, with all its music and sunshine, suddenly paused in the sky, and fading, slowly descended into the east again, from whence it late had arisen. Sometimes she lingered in towns, till, urged by the fever within her, urged by a restless longing, the hunger and thirst of the spirit, she would commence again her endless search and endeavor. Sometimes in churchyards strayed, and gazed on the crosses and tombstones, sat by some nameless grave, and thought that perhaps in its bosom he was already at rest, and she longed to slumber beside him. Sometimes a rumor, a hearsay, an inarticulate whisper, came with its airy hand to point and beckon her forward. Sometimes she spake with those who had seen her beloved and known him, but it was long ago, in some far-off place or forgotten. Gabriel La Jeunesse, said they. Oh yes, we have seen him. He was with Basil the blacksmith, and both have gone to the prairies. Coureurs des bois are they and famous hunters and trappers. Gabriel La Jeunesse, said others. Oh, yes, we have seen him. He is a voyageur in the lowlands of Louisiana. Then would they say, Dear child, why dream and wait for him longer? Are there not other youths as fair as Gabriel, others who have hearts as tender and true and spirits as loyal? Here is Baptiste Leblanc, the notary's son, who has loved thee many a tedious year, 
Come, give him thy hand, and be happy. Thou art too fair to be left to braid St. Catherine's tresses. Then would Evangeline answer, serenely but sadly, I cannot. Whither my heart has gone, there follows my hand, and not elsewhere. For when the heart goes before like a lamp, and illumines the pathway, many things are made clear, that else lie hidden in darkness. Thereupon the priest, her friend and father confessor, said with a smile, O daughter, thy God thus speaketh within thee. Talk not of wasted affection. Affection never was wasted. If it enrich not the heart of another, it waters, returning back to their springs like the rain, shall fill them full of refreshment. That which the fountain sends forth returns again to the fountain. Patience, accomplish thy labor, accomplish thy work of affection. Silence and sorrow are strong, and patient endurance is godlike. Therefore accomplish thy labor of love, till the heart is made godlike purified, strengthened, perfected, and rendered more worthy of heaven. Cheered by the good man's words, Evangeline labored and waited. Still in her heart she heard the funeral dirge of the ocean, but with its sound there was mingled a voice that whispered, Despair not. Thus did that poor soul wander, in want and cheerless discomfort, bleeding, barefooted, over the shards and thorns of existence. Let me essay, O muse, to follow the wanderer's footsteps, not through each devious path, each changeful year of existence, but as a traveler follows a streamlet's course through the valley, far from its margin at times, and seeing the gleam of its water here and there in some open space, and at intervals only, then drawing nearer its banks, through sylvan glooms that conceal it, Though he behold it not, he can hear its continuous murmur, happy at length, if he find the spot where it reaches an outlet. Part 2 It was the month of May, far down the beautiful river, past the Ohio shore, and past the mouth of the Wabash. Into the golden stream of the broad and swift Mississippi floated a cumbrous boat that was rowed by Acadian boatmen. It was a band of exiles, a raft, as it were, from the shipwrecked nation scattered along the coast, now floating together, bound by the bonds of a common belief and a common misfortune, men and women and children, who, guided by hope or by hearsay, sought for their kith and their kin among the few-acred farmers on the Acadian coast and the prairies of fair Opelousas. With them Evangeline went, and her guide the father Felician, onward, or sunken sands, through a wilderness somber with forests. Day after day they glided adown the turbulent river, night after night by their blazing fires, and camped on its borders. Now through rushing shoots among green islands, where plume-like cotton trees nodded their shadowy crests, they swept with the current then emerged into broad lagoons, where silvery sandbars lay in the stream, and along the wimpling waves of their margin, shining with snow-white plumes, large flocks of pelicans waded. Level the landscape grew, and along the shores of the river, shaded by china trees in the midst of luxuriant gardens, stood the houses of planters, 
with Negro cabins and dovecotes. They were approaching the region where reigns perpetual summer, where through the golden coast and groves of orange and citron sweeps with majestic curve the river away to the eastward. They too swerved from their course, and entering the bayou of Plaquemine, soon were lost in a maze of sluggish and devious waters, which, like a network of steel, extended in every direction. Over their heads the towering and tenebrous boughs of the cypress met in a dusky arch, and trailing mosses in mid-air waved like banners that hang on the walls of ancient cathedrals. Death-like the silence seemed, and unbroken, save by the herons home to their roosts in the cedar trees returning at sunset, or by the owl as he greeted the moon with demoniac laughter. Lovely the moonlight was as it glanced and gleamed on the water, gleamed on the columns of cypress and cedar sustaining the arches, down through whose broken vaults it fell as through chinks in a ruin. Dreamlike and indistinct and strange were all things around them, and o'er their spirits there came a feeling of wonder and sadness, strange forebodings of ill, unseen and that cannot be compassed as, at the tramp of a horse's hoof on the turf of the prairies, far in advance are closed the leaves of the shrinking mimosa, so, at the hoofbeats of fate, with sad forebodings of evil, shrinks and closes the heart, ere the stroke of doom has attained it. But Evangeline's heart was sustained by a vision that faintly floated before her eyes and beckoned her on through the moonlight. It was the thought of her brain, that assumed the shape of a phantom. Through those shadowy aisles had Gabriel wandered before her, and every stroke of the oar now brought him nearer and nearer. Then in his place at the prow of the boat rose one of the oarsmen, and, as a signal sound, if others like them peradventure sailed on those gloomy and midnight streams, blew a blast on his bugle. Wild through the dark colonnades and corridors leafy the blast rang, breaking the seal of silence and giving tongues to the forest. Soundless above them the banners of moss just stirred to the music. Multitudinous echoes awoke and died in the distance, over the watery floor and beneath the reverberant branches. But not a voice replied. No answer came from the darkness. And when the echoes had ceased, like a sense of pain was the silence. Then Evangeline slept, but the boatmen rowed through the midnight, silent at times, then singing familiar Canadian boat songs, such as they sang of old on their own Acadian rivers. And through the night were heard the mysterious sounds of the desert, far off, indistinct, as of wave or wind in the forest mixed with the whoop of the crane and the roar of the grim alligator. Thus, ere another noon, they emerged from those shades, and before them lay in the golden sun the lakes of the Atchafalaya. Water lilies in myriads rocked on the slight undulations made by the passing oars, and resplendent in beauty, the lotus lifted her golden crown above the heads of the boatmen. Faint was the air with the odorous breath of magnolia blossoms, and with the heat of noon, and numberless sylvan islands, fragrant and thickly embowered with blossoming hedges of rose, 
near to whose shores they glided along, invited to slumber. Soon by the fairest of these, their weary oars were suspended. Under the boughs of Washita willows that grew by the margin, safely their boat was moored, and scattered about on the greensward, tired with their midnight toil, the weary travelers slumbered. Over them vast and high extended the cope of a cedar. Swinging from its great arms, the trumpet flower and the grapevine hung their ladder of ropes aloft like the ladder of Jacob, on whose pendulous stairs the angels ascending, descending, were the swift hummingbirds that flitted from blossom to blossom. Such was the vision Evangeline saw as she slumbered beneath it. Filled was her heart with love, and the dawn of an opening heaven lighted her soul in sleep with the glory of regions celestial. Nearer and ever nearer, among the numberless islands darted a light, swift boat that sped away o'er the water, urged on its course by the sinewy arms of hunters and trappers. Northward its prow was turned, to the land of the bison and beaver. At the helm sat a youth, with countenance thoughtful and careworn. Dark and neglected locks overshadowed his brow, and a sadness, somewhat beyond his years on his face, was legibly written. Gabriel was it, who, weary with waiting, unhappy and restless, sought in the western wilds oblivion of self and of sorrow. Swiftly they glided along, close under the lee of the island, but by the opposite bank, and behind a screen of palmettos, so that they saw not the boat where it lay concealed in the willows, and undisturbed by the dash of their oars, and unseen were the sleepers. Angel of God was there none to awaken the slumbering maiden. Swiftly they glided away, like the shade of a cloud on the prairie. After the sound of their oars on the tholes had died in the distance, as from a magic trance the sleepers awoke, and the maiden said with a sigh to the friendly priest, O Father Felician, something says in my heart that near me Gabriel wanders. Is it a foolish dream, an idle, vague superstition, or has an angel passed and revealed the truth to my spirit? Then with a blush she added, Alas for my credulous fancy! Unto ears like thine such words as these have no meaning. But made answer the reverend man, and he smiled as he answered, Daughter, thy words are not idle, nor are they to me without meaning. Feeling is deep and still, and the word that floats on the surface is as the tossing buoy that betrays where the anchor is hidden. Therefore trust to thy heart, and to what the world calls illusions. Gabriel truly is near thee, for not far away to the southward, on the banks of the Tesh, are the towns of St. Maur and St. Martin. There the long-wandering bride shall be given again to her bridegroom. There the long-absent pastor regain his flock and his sheepfold. Beautiful is the land, with its prairies and forests of fruit trees. Under the feet a garden of flowers, and the bluest of heavens bending above, and resting its dome on the walls of the forest. They who dwell there have named it the Eden of Louisiana. With these words of cheer they arose and continued their journey. Softly the evening came, 
the sun from the western horizon, like a magician, extended his golden wand o'er the landscape. Twinkling vapors arose, and sky and water and forest seemed all on fire at the touch, and melted and mingled together. Hanging between two skies, a cloud with edges of silver floated the boat with its dripping oars on the motionless water. Filled was Evangeline's heart with inexpressible sweetness. Touched by the magic spell, the sacred fountains of feeling glowed with the light of love as the skies and waters around her. Then from a neighboring thicket the mockingbird, wildest of singers, swinging aloft on a willow spray that hung o'er the water, shook from his little throat such floods of delirious music that the whole air and the woods and the waves seemed silent to listen. Plaintive at first were the tones and sad, then soaring to madness seemed they to follow or guide the revel of frenzied bacchantes. Single notes were then heard, in sorrowful low lamentation, till having gathered them all, he flung them abroad in derision, as when, after a storm, a gust of wind through the treetops shakes down the rattling rain in a crystal shower on the branches with such a prelude as this, and hearts that throbbed with emotion, slowly they entered the Teche, where it flows through the green Opelousas, and, through the amber air, above the crest of the woodland, saw the column of smoke that arose from a neighboring dwelling. Sounds of a horn they heard, and the distant lowing of cattle. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, t'will be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right.